miss this passage, but it's uh, packs a punch. John 14, 25 to 27. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. So when you hear that verse, you, you have to think to yourself, like I do, I'm sure, that sounds awesome. That, that sounds really good. An advocate, somebody who's going to teach me, and then at the end, peace. Peace that the, the, the world doesn't understand, that's given to me, that I receive. That, that sounds awesome. And, and that's going to come through the Holy Spirit. And yet, then I stop and I think, oh, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I, I, want, I want that. I'm not sure I know who that is. I'm not quite sure I, I comprehend who that is. I, I think many of us would gather here, and, and it might be the first time you're hearing Holy Spirit, or for some of you, it's you, you've heard it and it's been talked about, but maybe you've never actually engaged in it. When, when I was growing up uh, in, in the States, uh, in the little tribe that I hung out in, we called it the Holy Ghost. Now, to be fair, that really freaked me out because I was like, okay, if it's Casper-type friendly ghost, that doesn't seem too powerful to me, and I don't know that I want that as my god. And if it's poltergeist-like ghost, I definitely don't want that ghost because that's the one that comes up through, you know, and scares you, and yeah, I don't want that. I think some of us are fearful of the Holy Ghost because of experiences that we've had. Uh, we've maybe been someplace and we've seen something or heard something and we were like, whoa, what is that all about? Or, or maybe we're fearful of the Holy Ghost because of misunderstanding, this, this place where uh, we've experienced something, we've walked with people and now God has somehow put us someplace else and we're fearful to say, this is what I've experienced in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm going to just do something real quick. Spirit. Spirit, Spirit, because I'm going to keep saying Holy Ghost if I'm not careful. <laughs> the Holy Ghost is, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is often neglected for us. Francis Chan wrote a book about it, and he entitled it Forgotten God. Now, it's an all right book. It's not great. <laughs> Um, you'll notice in the booklet I've listed lots of other books about the Holy Spirit, and that one not, didn't find its way onto that list. But I did read it, actually listened to it, and his title was maybe the best thing about it. Because it reminded us that sometimes we forget God. But Scott McKnight, in his book, Open to the Spirit, says this, The sticking point when it comes to our understanding of the Holy Spirit is that humans are not open to an invasive... <laughs> transcending and transforming presence of the Holy Spirit. There are, of course, reasons why we are not open. Two that can come immediately to mind. One, we don't want transcending power. We don't want something beyond ourselves that can do something. And two, 
We don't want the transforming presence of God because we'd rather stay the way that we are. For the next seven weeks, technically eight weeks, we're going to be diving in to the Holy Spirit, seeing who the Holy Spirit is, the gift that he is, and how he helps us and empowers us to live our life in Christ. To be fair, I almost titled this series, um, Pleased to Meet You, Can You Guess My Name? But that's a little riff on a Rolling Stone song that's not about the Holy Spirit at all, so I decided not to do that. Instead, this sermon is entitled, uh, Hello, My Name Is, which you can figure out who that's from as well. But for the next seven weeks, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. These first three weeks are going to be very introductory for us. Today, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit through the Old Testament. Next week, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit and Christ worked together in the life of Jesus. And then the next week, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit throughout the rest of the New Testament. And we're going to have a little break because I'm going to go travel out to Brookton and preach there. And Matt Waldron's going to come and preach here in our WPC pastor swap. When I get back in March, the next four weeks, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit in us and what that means. Leading up to Easter or Resurrection Sunday, where we talk about the power of the resurrection that is found in the Holy Spirit. So back to the verse that Hannah read for us. And I agree, it packs a punch. John 14, 25 through 27. Here Christ promises the Holy Spirit to all believers to teach us, to remind us of the things that we know, to advocate for us and help us in order that we may live our lives in our truth identity that rests in Christ alone. And so often when we engage with the Holy Spirit, we go, Christ promised it, and then in Acts we see Pentecost happen, and the Holy Spirit falls down, and that's where it began. The reality is the Holy Spirit has been around since the very, very, very beginning. Genesis 1, 1 and 2, says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovering over the water. That word Spirit of God is ruach, that Hebrew word. It occurs over 380 times in the Old Testament. But a hundred of those times, give or take a few, it refers to the Spirit of God, our God's Spirit. Mike Habits has written a book called The Progressive Mystery. He's a New Zealander, and so don't hold that up against him. He says this, The invisible essence of Ruach is known primarily by its effects on the visible world, by which we can then attempt to perceive its essence. The Ruach is a term representing something unseen in order that the visible effect of an invisible force might be adequately apprehended. All right, 
So what he's saying there is we know there's the Spirit of God because of the things that the Spirit does. We might not actually be able to see or witness just like the wind, which incidentally also means wind. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's going. We know there's wind by the effect of the wind. We feel it. It blows the branches. It topples trees when it's a fierce wind. It causes waves to get larger. And so we can go, that's wind. It's windy. We measure it by its effect. The same is true of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in a way, and that's how we know it exists. And here in Genesis 1-1, we see this Trinitarian understanding, God three in one developing, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there in order to be an agent of creation. In his book, Sinclair Ferguson on the Holy Spirit, he says this, the Holy Spirit is God extending himself in active engagement with his creation in a personal way to order and complete what has been planned in the mind and heart of God. So oftentimes, and Beth Midler saying, from a distance, God is watching us. The Holy Spirit says, that's not the case at all. And not only do I say it, I will prove it. Because I will be actively and intimately involved in life. So throughout the Old Testament, we see a couple of things about the Holy Spirit that's good for us to learn. The first one is the Holy Spirit that we see in Genesis 1 here, is the source of life to all. It's the one who is the agent that works with Jesus in order to have creation happen and be sustained, to be held on to. Ezekiel, in 30, verse, chapter 37, verses 5 through 14, tells us of another great way that we see the Holy Spirit as the source of all life. This is how it goes. I'll, I'll be honest, it's a bit of a strange story. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones, dried up bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. And I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put my breath, that's that word, roach, in you. And you will come to life, and then you will know that I am the Lord. And so Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as he had commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone by bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. And there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to them, that is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breathe from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may have life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord, and I will open your graves and bring you up from them. And I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your land, 
and then you will know that the Lord has spoken. And I have done it, declares the Lord. We're reminded here that he is the one that provides life. That that breath that comes into us is the spirit of God. Job 33, 4 reminds us that the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. How amazing is it to know that the Holy Spirit throughout the beginning has always been about the creation and the sustaining of creation for us. If you have your Bibles or a Bible in front of you, you have a, 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 a Bible on your phone. If you would open it to Isaiah chapter 63, we're going to stick here for a couple of minutes. Isaiah 63 verses 7 through 14 is what we're going to be looking at. This is a, a, a praise that is going forth. And it says, I will tell you the kindness of the Lord, the deeds of which he is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. He, yes, the many good things he has done for Israel according to his compassion and his kindness. He said, surely they are my people, children of, uh, uh, who will be true to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. And he lifted them up and carried them all of the days of old. This is where he's the sustainer of life for us. Billiston, who also has written a book about the Holy Spirit, says that the Holy Spirit is the dynamic, powerful, creative agent of God. And he represents God's presence to us. So if that's the case, because the Holy Spirit is ever moving and sustaining creation, we also walk in the Holy Spirit and understand that creation, first and foremost, was not made for us. It was made for God and his good pleasure. Abraham Kuyper says this. There is no sun, moon, no star, no material, no plant or animal, and in much higher sense, no man, no skill, no gift or talent, unless God touches and supports them all. The world around us does not belong to us. It belongs to God. With Christ Jesus as its ruler and the Holy Spirit as its animator, working inseparably together in this dance of the Trinity to bring creation to perfection. And the goal of that perfection is this, redeeming humanity, bringing us into the place we are back in truth relationship with God. And so if that's the case, if Holy Spirit has been around that long in order to have creation happen, then as those of us who follow after Christ, then we must care for creation. It's behooving on us to be actively involved in caring for what God has made and created. Knowing that it's not our good work that's going to sustain it forever, but Holy Spirit working to hold it together. But we can do our parts. <laughs> we can be wise with the way that we live. And engage it in that way. 
Why? Because the world is not ours. It is God's, sustained by him through Holy Spirit. I want you to keep that Isaiah passage available to you. But the second thing that we see God doing through Holy Spirit throughout all of um, the Old Testament is he's building his community. If you look down the rest of the way into Isaiah there, he says, in his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all their days. Verse 10, yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy and he himself fought against them. Now, he's talking about the exile here. These folks who have been entrusted by God to be those who hold forth his goodness in the world have failed in doing that. They've run after empire. And so he says, well, if you want empire so badly, I'll let empire have you. But look at verse 11. He says, Then his people recalled the days of old, the days of Moses and his people, where he, where is he, and they say, where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them, who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand, who divided the waters before them to gain to himself everlasting renown, who led them through the depths. We see the Holy Spirit there that rests on the people. They're referring back to the Exodus. is the very thing that builds God's community. It's the Holy Spirit that binds us together. It makes visible the invisible reality of God's called people. And more than that, it preserves those people. When David writes Psalm 51, he he says, you are the one who preserves me. In Psalm 51, he says, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You've gathered us together. Don't let it leave because it's the thing that keeps us safe and secure in who we are in you. So the Holy Spirit has been actively involved since the beginning in creating and animating and sustaining this world. The Holy Spirit is the one that builds community and preserves God's people. And more than that, the Holy Spirit is the thing throughout all of the Old Testament we see empowering people. There are gifts that come upon them. Uh, Some of them would be strength, our energy, our courage, our wisdom. You can see that throughout all of the judges. The whole book of Judges, when you read about it, when the judge steps up, it's because the Spirit of God has come upon them. Even in really difficult times, like the story of Samson, which if you've been around church at all, you've maybe heard it. Samson's not a great guy. You wouldn't want to emulate his life at all. And at the very end, he's blind, and his hair has grown back, and he's standing between two pillars, and he wants to take out all of the Philistines. Maybe for just reasons. Maybe because he's just mad that they shaved his head and gouged out his eyes. But God is working in him and through him. Why do we know that? Because it says the Spirit of God came upon him. We see that where King Saul receives the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit leaves. King David receives the Holy Spirit and he stays. Beelza and Ovala, which is that's not how you pronounce those names. And thank goodness Stephen Rarig is not here. If you look 
uh, in Exodus 31, I have that verse for you and other verses to look. It lets us know that the Holy Spirit came upon them in order so that they could be craftsmen and artists. There are many administrators throughout the people of God, from Moses to Joshua, where we see the Holy Spirit come upon them. And, and maybe most clearly is all of the prophets. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. In all of these instances, the Holy Spirit fills these people. They come from outside, often in violent force and enable them to have skill and wisdom and abilities to perform their tasks that they might not have otherwise had. Now, I could go on and on and on about all of those things. Um, and whenever I was writing this sermon over the last couple of weeks, even up to yesterday, I felt like it was going to be about 45 minutes, and that is bizarre for me to preach that long. So if you want those lists, just ask me and I'll give them to you and you can go dig deep in, into them or we can do that together. But one thing that we notice about how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament is this. You had to be pretty special and chosen by God in some way to get that Holy Spirit. It wasn't like the Holy Spirit came upon all of Israel. Actually, the Holy Spirit sometimes hit people that weren't even part of Israel. But then it didn't stay always. Or if it stayed, it didn't show itself continually throughout, guiding and directing. However, the prophet Joel tells us this. Joel 2, 28 through 29. says, and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Throughout the Old Testament, we see Holy Spirit present and moving towards Christ for his completion and then for the spirit in all. In everyone who is in Christ. It's the reason why in the book of Acts, which we'll talk about in two weeks, the writer says, that's what was going on. Luke says, what's happening at Pentecost is what was Joel. Joel was talking about this. That's what was happening. Another guy who wrote a book about the Holy Spirit put it this way. His name was M. Green. On the whole, you had to be someone rather special in the Old Testament days to have the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God did not fall on every Tom, Dick, or Harry. However, we know from the prophecy of Joel and the completion of that prophecy in Christ that the Holy Spirit falls on all followers. Which takes us back to John 14. John 14, we see here, Jesus promises us an advocate, a helper to walk with us because he recognizes that we do not desire to change who we are. I mean, we might say that we desire, 
We might say we want to live the best Christian life that we want to live, but the reality is we either think it's too hard or too unreasonable, or I just am not fit for practice to do that. And Jesus says, I have given you the Holy Spirit to teach you everything that I have taught you, to remind you of everything I have given you, and to be your advocate to walk with you in order for you to live an empowered life for me. Now in this series, I hope at some point you will be challenged. I hope at some point you will have an aha moment. And I hope at some point you will feel God's great compassion for you as he calls you to be holy like he is and does not leave you to figure it out by yourself. Too often we have neglected Holy Spirit that is the source of us being able to live fully in the way that God has called us to live. And so my prayer is that through this series, we will grab hold of this great gift that has been given to us. Knowing that it's not something new that has been there since the beginning, actively working to bring about God's great glory and love for us. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for Holy Spirit. We thank you for the goodness that comes in that place. We thank you for our advocate and our teacher, the one who is our reminder. And so today we thank you that he has always been, Holy Spirit has been through all, starting with creation and sustaining us, empowering us, making us your people, and giving us gifts in order for us to accomplish what you long for us to accomplish. And so we give you glory and praise. Today, if there is anything that I've said that does not come from you, let it go away. Let it not take root in our hearts. But whatever is from you, let it take root in our hearts so that it will bring glory to you and enable us to do the good work you have laid out for us to do. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.